Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up July 22nd through the 24th in Colorado. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we're excited to have a special guest with us today, Dr. John Fobert. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna have a great interview today with uh, with John. And I, uh, before we get started, I just want to let you listeners know that. Uh, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. This means that the only way that you are hearing this is because of uh, generous partners who've come alongside of us and, and donated toward the ministry. So if you would like to learn about all the ways in which you can partner with our ministry, simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the Donate button, and there you'll find out all the ways that you can come alongside of us. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be be with us. I'm excited about what you have to share with our listeners today. So for the sake of, of them getting to know you a little bit better, could you give us a little bit of a, a background of kind of who you are, um, how you've come to this topic of dealing with the issue of pornography in the public arena, um, and just... From there, we'll kind of address maybe some more specific issues of how pornography is really having a profound impact on our culture. Absolutely. I've been doing research on uh, sexual violence for about 25 years. I'm a college professor at Oklahoma State University and was startled by the fact about 10 years ago when I was doing some work uh, to prevent sexual violence on college campuses that one thing that kept coming up was pornography use. And I, I at first thought it was sort of unrelated, but then over time I saw it as more directly related and I began to research that topic more extensively and found that today's pornography is really horribly violent and I believe it's a recipe for rape. And 
So that that's a bit about where I come from. I, I uh, came to faith in the Lord when I was 19 in college mm-hmm. and certainly um, apply my Christian worldview to uh, the topic, um, but I'm primarily published in secular research journals and, um, and that sort of thing because I, I think that there's a lot that we can say uh, to our culture, um, whether they're secular or religious, to say that pornography is uh, a menace to society and we have to do something about it. Yeah, and, you know, I think there's a, uh, there's a growing swell to that reality. There's, a, there's voices that are starting to be heard out there, not just from the religious communities, but also from even those who are just starting to realize the the research behind what this is doing to brain chemistry and libido and all other kinds of aspects from a medical and even biological perspective. So why don't you help us understand, because you said you've done a lot of research on this, because sometimes we, you know, people will shut us off immediately. Um, not everybody, but, but certainly yeah, there's a yeah. large contingent in the, in the culture at large that will just shut us off when we start talking about our Christian faith in, right. re, in relationship to pornography because they think we have relegated it only to a moral issue. Absolutely. So why don't you talk a little bit more about what you've found in your research regarding, especially this interesting link you found between the violence and rape, and, and how did you get to that on a, on a research level? Well, there's um, there actually have been many experimental studies that have been done over time, um, particularly linking pornography and violence. And so, mm-hmm. um, some other scholars, what they've done is they they've, they've uh, this is, I believe back in the 80s, they put men uh, in one situation or another, one uh, being watching a pornography film and another one watching something fairly innocuous, and they would put them then when they left. The real part of the experiment is that someone would bump into them in the hallway, sort of take a a moderately aggressive uh, move towards them, and they would measure the degree to which those uh, men responded back with any kind of aggression. And the men who had watched pornography were far more physically aggressive mm. than those who who didn't. So, I mean, that's that's more of an indirect study. I think when we actually take a look at um, uh, different kinds of measures we've been able to administer to college men uh, in a way that they respond where they don't really necessarily know that they're admitting to a violation of the law, but we we would say, you know, have you, um, we spell out exactly what rape might consist of and, and say, have you done this? And then we actually uh, then measure their pornography use. And we've uh, found direct linkages between especially the more violent pornography and more frequent porn use to to sexual violence. Now, we can't say every man who watches porn is a rapist. That is not at all what the research shows. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but especially more impulsive men um, and men who are watching a lot of violent pornography much more frequently, it is an e- extreme uh, danger signal. Well, I had heard somewhere, and I can't, I wish I could cite the source, but I had seen somewhere that over 90% of men of death row inmates. Uh, had a long history of pornography use. And so they were trying to, even from that, start to say maybe there's some correlation between, you know, c- massive consumptions of this really aggressive and uh, dominating, porno- you know, type mm-hmm. of pornography mm-hmm. and then the way people actually act in the world. And And don't you think this also relates to, I mean, there have been studies too on a broader scale of just 
um, uh, violence, let's say, in video games, not necessarily sexual right. violence, but violence in video games. And people would always try to say, listen, there's no way that that has a direct link to how people then behave in their real lives. And I think there have been studies that have been done that have said, no, we're actually starting to realize that the more people consume certain things into their minds, it's only it's only natural then that they begin to behave in different ways. Well, absolutely. And, th- and that research is actually getting a lot stronger, connecting media and violence. And there actually are some video games that are fairly popular these days where part of what you need to do is rape a woman in the video game. Mm. So, it, it, And a lot of the video game consoles, of course, have Internet access. So a lot of parents don't know their kids are looking at Internet porn through a video game console because they don't know that it can access the Internet. Mm-hmm. So. But, but you know, regarding prisoners and such, certainly many of them, I would assume, would be a little bit older, um, given that they've uh, been around long enough to, to go to prison for, for so long. But right now, if you look at 2015 data, which, of course, is, you know, not even months old, really, 92% of young adult men right now are viewing pornography. So it, it is a very rampant um, mm-hmm. problem. That's a study in the Journal of Sex Research in 2015. So... Um, and you know, goes down from there over over time. But uh, you still have you know, relatively high levels of use among uh, men in their fifties and sixties. So mm-hmm. the, the, this whole internet porn um, and iPhone smartphone thing has has been a game changer. So to, so tell us a little bit about what pornography actually does to the brain, because mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about you know the behavioral link of okay, you you consume you know, pornography that's clearly you can see just in terms of the history of pornography, how Mm -hmm. it has grown more violent in the material itself. Mm -hmm. And, and so you're saying there's a link between consumption of that and behavior, but what actually happens biologically? Is there anything that's Mm -hmm. actually going Mm -hmm. on in terms of the brain? Yes, absolutely. And there there are studies in the last couple of years from the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Journal of Sex Research. Lots of different studies have found several things about the brain. Um, One of the things that happens is that the more people watch pornography, the more likely the neural pathways in the brain are actually rewired. So the, the user becomes more sexually interested in an image rather than a person. And over time, their brain becomes retrained to only desire uh, sexual release with an image, and they're no longer able to function sexually with a person. I mean, if you look at studies on porn addicts, 60% of them uh, right now have erectile dysfunction. Mm. Uh, the, the, the rates of erectile dysfunction among young men have gone from about less than 1% in the 40s to about 7% in the 90s. Today, it's a third. Wow. So it, there's really no doubt that porn is impacting uh, both the brain and sexual functioning. Um, and there are other studies showing that actually the more people watch pornography, the more the prefrontal lobes of their brain shrink. Um, it slows down their short-term memory. Um, and it, it, it also affects the dopamine in the brain to such a degree that uh, they can become addicted and then go through withdrawal if they stop, much like uh, gambling addiction or other types of behavioral addictions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because as you talk about the, the prefrontal cortex actually shrinking, um, which is very much the part of the brain in which we we reason and we make our rational decisions. Isn't it interesting? Because we have so many couples then 
where a wife comes to us and she is just furrowed brow. She is perplexed. She's going, I don't get it. Right. My my husband is, and she's trying to bring a rational perspective right. to all these irrational behaviors. And what you're saying is, in a very real way, even physiologically, yes. this this man is diminishing his ability to even make rational decisions. Yes, I mean, and 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 we should say this is a minority of people who use pornography, but there are many who become addicted. And once mm-hmm. once they're addicted, one of, one of the things I've I've done is talk to a the head psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, they have a treatment center there for sex addicts and such, and she says that it's more difficult for her to treat someone with porn addiction than it is heroin addiction, because with heroin you can, there are ways of stopping the use of that drug. It it, it goes out of the system. So, mm-hmm. you know, you put them alone in a room for a week, they're not going to have any heroin. With a porn addict, the drug remains in their brain because they can continuously remember the images they saw. Mm-hmm. So you just can't get it out of the system. So now where, okay, now a statement like that is, has the potential to completely shock and dismay Mm-hmm. Uh, our audience, where's the hope then in, you know, is there any possibility that physiologically, spiritually, emotionally, there can be change toward, yeah. you know, because other, you know, I, I can hear some of our listeners saying, well, good grief. What's the hope? If, if, if I can't ever get this stuff out of my brain, right. Where's the hope? Well, and, and, and I think, one of the things that we know within our community is that the the vibrant spiritual life is the best defense against pornography and other sorts of sins. And so, um, you know, reading your Bible, being, you know, taking part in uh, small groups and uh, accountability groups and that sort of thing, um, I think is, is a hedge against uh, pornography. But, but yes, you can uh, what's called reboot your brain. And so, um, I was just at a meeting in Washington, D.C. with um, a number of different people who are fighting the porn industry, and I learned there that it tends to take anywhere between two months and two years of abstinence for uh, someone's brain to become uh, wired back to the original state that God created it in and for their sexual functioning to return. So some may look at that as hopeless. I look at it as hopeful because we can actually we can reverse these effects, but we just can't say, um, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll uh, have an intense weekend and then um, everything will go away. Now, this, mm-hmm. is, this is something that is uh, addictive, dangerous, and, and we don't even know the effects that this unlimited access that, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old boys have now. After they keep looking at it for 10 years, my goodness, the relationships in our society, I am really, I am very concerned. Yeah, and, but, I, but I hear within that the good news that if you're, if you're, your brain can be be shaped and and trained in a negative direction. It also can be shaped and retrained in a positive direction. Yeah, so, in other words, it's, it's malleable. It's it's it, it's malleable. I mean, you know, it's born in a certain way, and then it grows and changes and develops, and then you can rewire it um, by watching all of this internet porn. But if if you do get to a place where you can abstain and um, and reboot, you can do that. It just it is extremely difficult. Now, I think a lot of times when when 
two men like us are talking about this topic, the mm-hmm. the default can can be that well, okay, we're assuming we're just talking about men here that this is having right. some kind of effect on. Help us understand what's going on in the world of women as it pertains mm-hmm. to pornography, and is is it is it as harmful? Are women even involved in pornography to the same degree or to any degree? Help us understand what's going on with with women regarding pornography. Sure. I mean, certainly not involved to the same degree, but increasingly involved, and that's something that's quite disturbing. I mean, you have to think about pornography as a business, because that's really what it is, and they've saturated the male market. They can't get very much more out of them, so their growth markets are children and women. And so they've gone after women in a very deliberate way through all of these, like they, they, they brand things like, oh, well, this is ethical porn and this is mm-hmm. feminist porn. And, and that, those are oxymorons. I mean, sure. they're, they're just not. And so right now, the most recent statistics I have is that 42% of adult women are looking at pornography at least once a month. Mm. Now, if the, the, one of the ways to contextualize that, though, is that the most common reason they're looking is because their male partner is showing it to them and saying, please do this to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether or not they're choosing to look at it, I, I'm not quite as interested as just the impact it's having. And we do know um, that it that increases their sense of uh, that they should accept sexual victimization uh, because of what they see in the porn acting out such violence towards women, they get the message over time, oh, well, I guess I should enjoy that, and I guess that's how um, you know, intercourse is intended to go. So it, it can have a devastating impact on women. Well, and would you say that um, passive consumption of porn in that regard is maybe similar to, let's say, secondhand smoke? In other words, it's not like it has no effect, because even, right. if, even if she's not initiating the consumption of that pornography, mm-hmm. Are you, mm-hmm. Is it possible that the pornography um, itself is still harmful to her? I, I think the, second, the secondhand smoke analogy is apt, but I think it's more the secondhand smoke uh, analogy works more for friends and loved ones of the addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, you can, if, you are, if you're a smoker and you hand your cigarette to another person and they smoke it, they get as much damage as you do. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's, there's that kind of impact as well. Whether you've chosen or not to look at it at first, you still are ingesting it into your system, and it's still uh, quite harmful. Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, we, have, we really still don't have any idea, I mean, what yeah. the impact is of this, because certainly even just within the last 20 years where what has occurred with the growth of the Internet, with the amount of pornography that's available out there. I mean, it used to be when I was a, when I was a kid and even in college that if, if I wanted to look at pornography, I had to go mm-hmm. get a magazine right. and there was a, a hard limit to the yes. number of images in there. Now yes. you can go to single websites and there's hundreds of thousands of yes. images and videos on one website. And then there's hundreds of thousands of websites. So Right. As you're mentioning that, and you you mentioned, man, we don't we don't yet know the impact that this is going to have on relationships. Talk about what we do know to this point in terms of the impact that pornography is having on marriages, on relationships, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even just on communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, some good research out there showing that um, over, I believe it's over half of divorces um, have a direct uh, link uh, with pornography. So mm. it's 
um, a lot of a lot of the trouble uh, there exists, and there's also a difference of perception of what pornography is to, between a man and a woman. So a man often might think, well, this is just something that I'm aroused by and I may experience sexual release, but it's, it, it has nothing to do with my wife, my girlfriend, whomever. Uh, women tend to typically look at it as uh, the, he's having an affair. It is bringing another person into the relationship, all of that. And to be honest with you, I think the perception of women is much more accurate when you look at the situation. You're, you're achieving sexual release by looking at someone other uh, than uh, the, the woman who uh, God chose for you. So Yeah, you're forming um, an actual bond. With, I mean, in the same yeah. way that because we know that oxytocin is released yeah. in, that, in that sexual arousal, that it is creating – your body – you know, it's kind of cool how the brain works because I think mm-hmm. God has made it to work the way it works. And so therefore, when you release those chemicals, they're just doing what they're supposed to do, which means when oxytocin is released, it's meant to cause you to bond right. to whatever you are at that moment focused on. Well, if it happens to be an object of pornography, your body's still going to respond in the same way. And so it's actually like you're forming an emotional bond with an object rather than with your spouse. Well, and you touched on a, a key issue there, too, the oxytocin release. That's also combined um, with the dopamine at such high levels because with all of the images that people can access, I mean, hundreds, thousands, millions of images so quickly, the, the brain almost tires out of all mm. the overstimulation and, and it begins to lower dopamine. And if you follow this logic here, it lowers the dopamine. And so the individual thinks, I need to look at more so I can have that dopamine rush again mm. and so they just get trapped in this cycle of have to look for more have to look for more I'll, I'll eventually i'll find the perfect image three minute clip whatever and it just um it eats the person from the inside out now when you're talking about just the quantities of of pornography that are available out there what kind mm-hmm. of effect if anything does this have on attention on mm-hmm. being able to focus. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I, I'm imagining if, we, if it has such a profound effect physiologically on our brains, it's probably affecting some of those areas too, of being able to focus and, and uh, pay attention, right? Oh, absolutely. If you, there's a study in 2013, uh, the pornographic picture processing interferes with working memory performance. I mean, they, they did fi- find that the more people... Um, looked at internet pornography, the shorter their attention spans got. The the other study that I found real interesting is that they actually wired uh, men's brain to one of those EKG type machines um, that you can, not EKG, but you, you see the brain imaging, um, MRI, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when men look at pornography, the part of their brain that lights up is the part of the brain that that looks at objects, not at people. Mm. And so the way that pornography is made, it's made to make people think of an individual as an object, not a person. And and that gets us kind of looping back to the sexual violence issue, because when you render someone not human, when you render them uh, more of an object, that makes violence against them much more possible. Hmm. Well, what are some ramifications then that pornography has... Um on our relationship to God and even our relationship to ourselves, if I could put mm-hmm. it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, the, clearly, if you read in, in Galatians any number of Paul's letters um, where it talks about, uh, it contrasts the fruit of the Spirit 
um, from from sin. I mean, pornea is one of the things that's that's uh, mentioned, and so it's not really uh, a dispute uh, that God does not like porn. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there, there's and there's not a there's not a statement in the Bible that says thou shalt not look at pornography. But you know, when when the Bible was written, uh, this kind of stuff wasn't out there. But it does talk about. Um, certainly lust, and I, it's mm-hmm. difficult for many times talks about lust, and I can't imagine a situation where someone's looking at porn where they're not lusting. So there's there's really no argument uh, to be made that could be at all convincing uh, against a biblical uh, view of, of, of porn, at least within the Christian community. Now, if, if people aren't believers yet, it, it, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to say, well, the Bible says you shouldn't do that, if they don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. So I think we need to work on um, introducing them to the life that's in Christ first and then um, talking about what he requires of us. Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit, just Mm -hmm. the idea of of solutions. Okay, so we've got Mm -hmm. this massive problem. Pornography Mm -hmm. is clearly having an impact. I don't think anybody that is just a a thinking person would, would say it's it's having no effect whatsoever on our culture. So then right. what is there that we can do about it? Well, I think there, there are many things that people can do, and that's on both an individual and a societal level. I mean, I think the, the most obvious decision anyone can make is don't look at it. And mm-hmm. then, <laughs> I mean, as I, I, parents also need to be very careful about uh, teaching their children how to react when they see porn. So it's not a matter of telling Johnny or Susie, don't look at porn. It's more, um, you know, once they become 10 or 11, it's time to have conversations with them to say, if your friend shows you a picture of a naked person on a phone, how do you think you'd react? Mm -hmm. And so talking through those sorts of decisions, I also think that, frankly, I don't think that that kids should have smartphones, um, is my own personal view. Um, if they do, uh, you, you need an Internet filter and an accountability program. Um, those are, I think, critical. The, the other thing is some, some, um, some more public policy things that, that folks can do. There's a great group in, in the D.C. area, uh, the National, what is it, National Center on Sexual Exploitation, NCOSE, and they have a lot of ways that people can connect with them through their website, and they send out action alerts when there's different legislation going through, um, per, you know, when they need prayer for a particular issue, when, when there are any number of things uh, that can help fight the porn industry that, you know, someone can often do in 10 seconds on a phone. So um, it's for the good. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there is that. And then um, another, another thing on the public policy realm is that most uh, people get their pornography through a very limited number of internet service providers. And so if we're ever able to institute some uh, regulations about internet service providers and and restrict their use of distributing illegal obscene material, which porn is, we we may at least be able to to, uh, blunt it at the source. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very hopeful message because it... it, Mm -hmm. it it lets us know that we're not we're not powerless in this situation. No, um, no even though it is definitely a massive wave that is sweeping across our our country. Absolutely. So, so we have a few minutes left, and mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, shift gears a little bit because you have a book that's coming out um, later this year, and I wanted to see if you could uh, share with our listeners a little bit about that book and and how they might be able to obtain a copy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, the, the book is called How Pornography Harms, and it's essentially an indictment of the porn industry and what they're trying to do to today's generation. And I wrote it uh, really to include a lot of the research on pornography and in a style that um, you know, someone with a PhD, without a PhD can can understand. And so, um, I talk about things about why anyone should care about porn, porn in the brain, uh, the link to sexual violence, uh, impact on women, teenagers, children. And I I reviewed about oh 40, 50 books about porn. I read about 200 articles about porn, and then I interviewed the top uh, dozen scholars who study it and then uh, talk to about two dozen people whose lives were directly impacted. And I weave their stories throughout the book to really bring a personal sense of what this is. Um, they, if they are at all interested um, in ordering it, what they can do is they can go to my website, um, which if they can spell my name, they can find. Um, it's johnfobert.com, so J-O-H-N, uh, F is in Frank, O-U-B is in boy, E-R-T dot com. And uh, within a couple of months, I'll have a direct link to, to place pre-orders. It's expected to come out in September. Uh, there's also a place where they can email me through the website, and I can make sure they get on the list to, to be notified when it comes out. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. I wrote it from a from a Christian worldview. The, uh, actually, the original publisher that said they would publish it um, at the very late date, they, they pulled the book and said, you know, because you mentioned religion in this book, we're not going to print it. So um, that was <laughs> discouraging, but, you know, it was God's hand because I'm now making some final edits to it and um, foregrounding a biblical worldview rather than just sort of mentioning it as part of a chapter. So it's, I think it's going to be especially helpful for Christian parents, pastors, others who are trying to understand what today's pornography is doing and how do you have conversations with young people uh, to help them avoid it and or get out of it. That is great. So, listeners, if you want to get a uh, copy of that book, uh, we will provide a link to uh, to John's website, um, and and you can get information on that. John, thank you so much for being with us this week. Absolutely. And uh, thank listen, you. You bet. Yeah. And listeners, we are glad that you were with us. And if you have any more questions, uh, please direct them toward us. We will be happy to help you along in your journey. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.